We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, everyone? This is Rob from the Striking Gold Podcast on the Blue Wire Network. It's the 2019 NFL season. 49ers fans got their first taste of the good stuff from Jimmy Garoppolo tonight. But one thing hasn't changed. It's where you guys should go to put your money down on all the NFL games that are coming up. Okay, My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com backslash Blue Wire to sign up this year. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. MyBookie has live in-game betting on any NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you and your fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when you're creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Put some money on the Niners. I'm just kidding. Don't do that or do that if that's your thing. I know they're a decent bet, but if that's your thing, head to mybookie.com and make some bets. Okay? Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. All right, so we're out here. What's up, guys? Again, you're listening to the Strike and Gold podcast. I'm Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Niners Nation. Unfortunately, 
And this breaks my heart. I can barely talk right now. But my other half, Eric Crocker, who also runs the press coverage podcast for the Blue Wire Network, he's in the process of moving, making moves, securing the bag, so he won't be able to join me tonight. This is officially my first solo run on the Blue Wire Network, on the Strike and Gold podcast, or on any podcast, period. Period. So wish me luck. Send me good vibes. Shoot, send me your feedback. <laughs> just just be gentle. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Okay. So I'm coming to you live just about an hour after the 49ers beat the Chiefs 27-17 to in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. It is the 49ers' third straight preseason win, which of course means that they are going undefeated. I'm not even going to say it. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting carried away. So yeah, third straight preseason win, which is a positive. You can allow that to be a positive without saying, oh, it's just the preseason. Okay. It could be a good thing. It could be a good thing. So they've won three straight preseason games. Um, the I believe the 49ers were losing 10 to seven when Patrick Mahomes made his exit. They had just, the defense had just stopped the Chiefs' offense. They moved most of the way down the field. They stopped him in the red zone. Patrick Mahomes tried to be a hero and run for the first down. He slid, and I think Jimmy Ward hit him, um, which obviously everybody on Twitter was not a huge fan of Patrick Mahomes uh, diving for a first down uh, at a preseason game. And I think that's probably why Andy Reid pulled him on the next play. So Patrick Mahomes went for it, couldn't get it. They kicked the field goal. Chiefs went up 10-7, to and that is when the Chiefs' offensive starters made their exit, I believe. So not a bad showing at all for the 49ers, um, especially for Mr. One, Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, Now we all know what we just spent the week listening to, because on Monday against the Denver Broncos, Jimmy Garoppolo went 0-6. for That was his preseason and 2019 debut, his first live action after tearing his ACL against Kansas City in week three of 2018. So that was his first snaps in a live game were on Monday. And he went 0 for 6. His first four passes all touched the hands of Broncos defenders. Two of them were batted down. One of them was picked off. Um, when Bradley Chubb came almost unblocked right by Joe Staley. That one was picked off, and then another one should have been. I don't know why the defender didn't pick it off, but it went right. can't remember the receiver he was throwing to. And the defender dove right in front of it, and if he would have caught it, it would have been an easy pick six. 49ers were just starting their drive, um, but he dropped it. So the first, Jimmy Garoppolo's first four passes all were hit in some way or another by Broncos defenders. And Garoppolo finished with a 0.0 quarterback rating. And I believe there's some funny saying that says if Jimmy Garoppolo just threw six incomplete passes, basically throwing the ball into the ground, he would have a better rating. Makes no sense, but I believe people say that. We're just going to go with it. okay? But on Saturday, tonight, you'll probably be hearing this on a Sunday. So yesterday, Jimmy Garoppolo went 14 for 20. He completed that's a 70% completion percentage, which is outstanding. He threw for 188 yards, one touchdown, and a 116.2 quarterback rating. So a huge jump up for Mr. Garoppolo, who looked good, who looked like the Garoppolo we have, have 
have seen. Um, on the 49ers scoring drive for the first team offense, uh, the first play that got them close closer to the end zone was a beautiful deep ball to Richie James, who put on a nice little du- double move on the Chiefs cornerback, got open. Garoppolo hit him in stride, and I think it was a 33-yard gain. And then on the very next play, Garoppolo looked left. I don't know if it was a wheel route, but he found Matt Breida going down the left sideline, running back Matt Breida, who had an excellent game, um, lofted another absolutely perfect pass right kind of towards the corner, back left corner of the end zone, and Matt Breida laid out for it, caught it, and that was the end of the drive. Well, of course it was the end of the drive they scored. Um, it wasn't the end of Jimmy Garoppolo's action. He played all the way through the first half. He played five total series, but um, showed all the things you wanted to see from Garoppolo. He doesn't need to play in week four. Um, I was asked about that in this week's mailbag. Garoppolo doesn't need to play in week four. Uh, that That's not a thing. Uh, he looked great tonight, just fine. I have no problems with how he played. And one thing... I've been saying throughout the week, I did quite a few uh, little episodes on the radio where it's just going to take time for Garoppolo to build the confidence back up in his throw and in his knee and in his legs, his hips, because you really have to drive through those legs to make these throws. And one thing I realized was you go back and look at 2017 Garoppolo, where he led the 49ers on a five-game winning streak to close out the season, uh, beat the Jaguars, who at the time just had a top like two defense, three defense, just absolutely lit them up. But you go back and watch those games, and there were plenty of throws where they very easily could have been picked off. And it was those throws that you knew where it, it made it perfectly clear that Jimmy Garoppolo was a bit of a gunslinger, which is fine. I have no problem with that. But there were plenty of throws that were maybe a split second away from either being batted down or intercepted, but he would feed them in through a tight window and they would be completed. And you know, Or maybe they'd be incomplete, but there were plenty of throws that could have been picked off. Well, now that he suffered a torn ACL, the throws that he were used to firing in through those windows and making it are a little slower because he can't put the same torque on his throws that he used to be able to. Not yet. So, And those are being picked off that's why you have a game or excuse me a practice where he throws five straight interceptions that's at least part of it and the other part nobody really wanted to talk about was quarterbacks are just going to try different things in practice they don't care about throwing five interceptions in practice they care they're competitors but if they're going to throw them there let them throw them there don't let them you know you don't want that in a game Nathan Peterman so the overreaction the overreaction to the past week, week and a half for Garoppolo has been just crazy. You had that five interception practice, and then you had his horrible game against the Broncos, and where he was under pressure basically every snap. So it was a lot of overreaction. It was good to see Garoppolo come out, have a normal game. Looked good, okay, against a respectable Chiefs defense. Not sure how well they're going to be this season. So it was good. It was a solid evening for Garoppolo, and I think everybody was, you know, can take a sigh of relief. Even Shanahan was probably like, "Okay, we're good. Let's let's build on that. Let's prepare for the regular season from a starting standpoint." Um, yeah, another person that had a good game was Matt Breida. Uh, I mentioned that earlier. He caught that amazing touchdown pass. Uh, let's take a look over here at the little rundown, the little stat sheet. And let's see what – I know he was, at least when I tweeted about it, Brita was averaging over six yards a carry, um, which harkens kind of back to last season when he was doing the same. 
So yeah, he ended up, Breida ended up with um, seven carries for 44 yards and averaging 6.3 yards per carry. That's impressive. Um, he had a 13 yard run on a third and short and where he kind of just went barreling through the defensive line. And, and I think he jumped over a, a, a defensive player who'd fallen on the ground. So it was a good performance from him. So, so far throughout the preseason, we've seen good performances from Tevin Coleman. We've seen good performances from Matt Breida. And we've seen solid nights from Raheem Mostert. So that bodes really well for a 49ers backfield who last year was was ravaged by injuries. Matt Breida had a good season, but he was dealing with an ankle injury all season. They lost McKinnon prior to the season. They had to call up Jeff Wilson from the practice squad and lean on him. Uh, Alfred Morris got probably way more touches than they were comfortable with. So the 49ers so far this preseason have seen solid games from all the top three running backs on the Jeff charge currently. The only thing they haven't seen is Jarek McKinnon, who made his return from a torn ACL, participated in a couple practices, but then complained of some soreness. Um, everybody was a, I mean, I would still say everybody was a bit surprised by that, um, by two things. One, McKinnon came out to practice without a without a brace whatsoever, and I mean, in his defense, it had been almost a year since he had torn his ACL. So, you know, that's a normal recovery time. Players can come back in 10, 11 months. So he was almost at a year, a little over 11 months, I believe. Um, but it was still a bit surprising to see him come out without a brace, especially as a running back. And then the other surprise was he only participated in two practices before he was pulled back out with knee soreness. So the 49ers haven't seen what McKinnon is capable of yet in, in a live game really ever since he joined the 49ers because he they, he never got to participate in a live game with the 49ers outside of preseason, so which is still a live game. But So McKinnon is a candidate for injured reserve. They have The 49ers haven't said that yet. Uh, he's a candidate for injured reserve, which I think would be a smart move just because the 49ers have three solid running backs plus use check. Um, I almost, like I said, I mix juice and use check together, so juice check. Uh, I mean, it works. Um, and so they have a solid group of running backs, and they don't necessarily need to force McKinnon back into action before he needs to be. I know Shanahan has a high opinion of what McKinnon brings to the table. McKinnon is like a wide receiver in a running back's body, and his skill set just offers a little more versatility than anything the 49ers have right now. So I don't think he'll be rushed back. Given the 49ers have such a good backfield, they could take their time with McKinnon, and if they want to put him on IR with a designation to return, he could come back. I think the 49ers have a week four bye. That to me seems pretty perfect. You know, put IR, put McKinnon on IR until the bye week and then see how he feels. And they don't even have to come. He can come back at any time. So, you know, that's it'll just be interesting to see how they handle that. So anyways, I'm kind of digressing here. Let's continue down with, uh, with the Chiefs recap. Richie James had a good game. Wide receiver, fighting for his roster spot. Um, wasn't as outstanding on special teams today as he was on Monday, where I think he averaged almost 40 yards per kick return against the Broncos. Wasn't as much of a stud on special teams tonight as he was just as a receiver. Uh, I believe he caught four passes for 66 yards. You had the 33-yard pass from Garoppolo and then another pass later in the game. Um, on a on a scoring drive for the 49ers, I believe it was the drive to take the lead. Richie James caught a pretty much like a, a comeback route at the sticks, and just given the de- positioning of the defender, had to come back short of the sticks. Um, made the defender miss. The defender kind of hit his leg, 
James kept his balance using his hand, hitting the ground and, and didn't let his knees touch the ground and darted forward, got the first down. It was just an impressive play. And you kind of watch that and you say, I think that James could have an impact in a regular season game for the 49ers. Now, are the 49ers going to reach all that way down the depth chart? Probably not uh, outside of special teams, but James seems like he's put himself in a good position to make the roster. And I'll get into that a little that more of that a little bit later. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, cornerback, also had a good game, and he needs to because kind of in relation to that, uh, Jimmy Ward made his return today who broke his collarbone uh, earlier in the offseason program. And he made his return today, which was interesting because Ward played safety on like base downs. And then K1 Williams, who was out, plays slot corner. Ward would move down into that spot in nickel, which is interesting because then that allowed Tarverius Moore to come in during sub packages and play the role of free safety. I'm not entirely sure that's how it was how it was orchestrated, but I saw Ward at both safety and nickel corner. Okay, so that's interesting, which is a good sign for Ward and the fact that they view him as a versatile piece that is probably one of the better defenders that they have at multiple positions. They would be comfortable playing him at outside corner. They would be comfortable playing him at nickel corner. They would be comfortable playing him at free safety and shoot with the way Ward plays. They would be comfortable playing him at strong safety, which he will probably do if he plays in the regular season because the 49ers are interchanging their safeties a lot more than they have. So you can tell the 49ers and they've said as much, they really value what Ward brings to the table. And it will be interesting to see how often he plays and if he takes Tarverius Moore's spot at free safety or if they just kind of keep rotating him in throughout the lineup just to see if he can make plays wherever he's at. Tarverius Moore played corner last year for the 49ers. Came out of, uh, he played free safety in college. So the 49ers tried to switch him to corner. Uh, the results were mediocre. Moore didn't come in until late in the season. His first rep was against Doug Baldwin in the red zone. And obviously, you know how that goes. That was unfair. But Moore has looked really, really good throughout training camp at free safety. And he's really come into his own. He started training camp with coordinator Robert Sala saying, basically, he was not an NFL safety yet, and he was not ready. Well, as training camp went on, literally in the span of two weeks, Moore quickly changed Sala's opinion to the point where Sala said that it would be silly not to consider Moore for the starting role. Um, Moore had started making plays during training camp. One of the ones I saw was it was a deep pass from Jimmy Garoppolo to George Kittle, who came down the seam, but then started bending his route outside. So he put some distance in between Moore and himself. Kittle did. And Garoppolo threw the pass. It was perfect. It was hitting. It was basically hit. Uh, Kittle right in the hands, who kind of had to outstretch for it, not dive, just reach out. And Moore flew in, crossed maybe half the, the, the field, and broke it up right as it hit Kittle's hands in the end zone. And it was just one of those impressive deep center field, single high safety plays that you want to see from a free safety. You know, that's just that's the position they've been needing. Everybody was kind of up in arms when they didn't go with Earl Thomas. Which made sense once when the contract was announced, Earl Thomas got quite 
a lot of guaranteed money, something the Prodi 49ers probably weren't comfortable doling out, getting, given they have George Kittle coming up um, with contract eligibility. DeForest Buckner is already eligible for a contract extension. So anyways, Moore's done well. So it was interesting to, interesting to see the 49ers wanted to get Ward and Moore on the field at the same time. That was just an interesting interesting development. I, I, I just assumed Ward would come in and compete with Moore for that starting spot, and it was either one or the other. So it was interesting to see that they got both out there. I like that. I think it was smart. Um, a little punter watch. Mitch Wisnowski had a very solid game. Of course, the 49ers' fourth-round punter. That was nice. That was nice. Um, let me give you let me give you his stats here. Let me let me come on over here. Two kicks and returns. He averaged 57 yards a punt, which is very good. That's just that's not net. That's not the average after the return. That's just his punting average. I believe I could be wrong, but this this site doesn't say. One of the punts he kicked, I think it was 62 yards, and put it on the three-yard line. Uh, the Chiefs ended up driving the field and scoring. It was late in the game. Um, but he has been every bit as impressive as the 49ers could hope to be, I would think. He's been good. I think he's averaging well over 57 yards a punt, which would lead the league if this were the regular season. You know, pump the brakes, it's not. But he's been solid. So it's been fun to see, and obviously the first thing you're going to think about when you think of Wisnowski is <laughs> last on Monday against the Broncos, he kicked, uh, he, he handles the kickoffs, which is interesting. I'll get into that in a little bit. He handles the kickoffs, kicked the Broncos defender, or excuse me, the Broncos returner, fielded it on like the one or the two, which I think is intentional. Like I said, I'll get into that. Um, brought it down the middle of the field, and before he could even reach the 25. Kind of cuts it up the middle of the field, makes a couple buys missed. And here comes Mitch Wisnowski flying down the center of the field and just takes the returner out with a perfect form tackle, shoulder to shoulder, put the guy down, took him off his feet. Uh, Mitch, Mitch Wisnowski is not a small person, by the way. But, and he played Aussie Rules Rugby, I believe. Or, or I don't even think the two things, I don't think it's rugby. I think it's called like Aussie Rules Football. I'm way out of my depth on that. But, He's not. He's no stranger to hitting, and even in tonight's game, Saturday's game, I saw Wisnowski trying to get up in the mix again. So I'm not sure if they're going to have to reel him back at all. But he's not a small guy. He's fast. I think he runs like a four or four or a four or five. Um, it's just been funny to see him get into the mix as you know a defender on kickoff. It's just it's been hilarious, and he's. He's all about it. So that's that's awesome. It's just been fun to watch him play. Um, I, everybody's excited about the punter. You know, fourth-round punter, that drew a lot of uh, negative praise. Negative praise, that doesn't really make sense. Drew a lot of negativity from fans and, you know, other people. It's fourth-round punter. But he's been good, and maybe, he, maybe he'll be worth it. Field position in today's NFL is all kinds of important, and so far he's lived up to the bill. Okay, so that's been fun to watch. I think everybody's probably a little excited about the old Mitch Wish, and that's for good reason. Uh, penalties. Hello. Penalties. They only had four for 25 yards. Like, what? I think in week one against Dallas, they had 18 for like 210 yards. And on Monday against the Broncos, they were well over 100 yards again. So that's a positive development. At the same time, refs are easing up 
probably on throwing flags. They always start preseason very strong with the flags just to kind of let everybody know they're not going to let stuff go. And then they kind of ease back into regular season mode as the preseason progresses on. So, but anyways, it's still encouraging. Still encouraging for the 49ers to only have four penalties for 25 yards. So good for them. But anyways, I realized I missed what I was going to say about Mitch. Man, say that five times fast, what have you. I think the 49ers are trying to have him avoid touchbacks. A lot of Wisnowski's kicks are landing like one or two yards into the end zone or one or two yards shy. And I believe they're trying to encourage the defenders to take it out. They probably have confidence in their special teams. And if you've noticed, most of the time a kicker takes out a you know, a kick returns it, a returner takes out the kick. He doesn't make it back to the 25. And you're always wondering why you didn't just kneel down in the end, in the end zone. So I think that's what they're trying to do. I think they're deliberately trying to keep that ball right in the area where the guy will return it. Maybe they can force a turnover. Obviously you don't want to allow it a big play, but I think they're trying to get Wisnowski to, to make people return that punt. So that's just interesting. I'm going off. Um, before we continue, we've got to, Give a shout out to our Blue Wire sponsors. They are the reason that we are allowed to do this. Their sponsorship helps us bring you these podcasts. So do us a favor, check them out. And of course, if shaving is a terrible experience for you, we've got you covered at Blue Wire. Our podcast network is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes the following, a five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and of course your travel blade cover. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your door, enough with the low quality razors from convenience stores, which I am guilty of, of course. It's totally worth trying Harry's, sign up today. Harry's is fixed shaving, by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. We've all seen it. There's a million choices in the aisle. Harry's brought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. No risk. No risk. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for three whole dollars. We're all out here shaving. I'm shaving. Actually, I don't shave that much. I have a beard. I mean, I got to maintain my beard, though. I got to look clean, so I'm still shaving. But on the other side of the spectrum, another reality for men. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of that as well. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Zero embarrassment, no reason not to. 
Don't deal with that. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to getramen.com slash blue wire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that medication, that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free, 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 F-R-E-E, free 99, two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to your doctor. ED can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. Okay, so we're back. We're back in the Striking Gold podcast. We're back to the 49ers. Now, I've been kind of sticking to most of the podcasts, or I don't know how I say podcasts, positives, excuse me. I've been sticking to the positives so far with the Chiefs. There's some negatives. There are some negatives. One of them, excuse me, one of them is as funny as it is negative in the fact that it harkens back to the last two years under defensive coordinator Robert Sala when a defensive lineman is dropped into coverage. It's just like a thing. And we only notice it when it doesn't work. Shout out to Eric Crocker, who I saw tweet that on Twitter. It only it only matters when it doesn't work or when they throw it to the guy who's covering who's covered by the defensive lineman. So Solomon Thomas got caught up at the line of scrimmage. Probably was supposed to have already dropped. And Mahomes hit, uh, I don't, I think it was Damian Williams. I can't remember the running back. Hit him on a little wheel route right over the top of Solomon Thomas, who took it to the house after Jaquiski Tart safety. Took a horrible angle, missed the runner, hit Solomon Thomas, and basically tackled Solomon Thomas. And the runner took it to the house. Okay. I'm not a scheme guy, especially on defense. I don't know how to fix that. I just know that it probably shouldn't happen or at least happen as often as it does. Solomon Thomas should not be running downfield with a running back. Just shouldn't happen. Maybe it's common. Maybe it's more common than I think it is. But it's just, it's getting a little old. It, Yeah, you guys, you guys are with me. Let's not put defensive linemen downfield. Let's not do that. So, Dante Pettis, not a huge deal. A big deal, not a huge deal. Dante Pettis muffed a punt today, which normally probably wouldn't make any sort of a headline, or at least probably wouldn't even make this podcast, but Dante Pettis has been struggling. He has. He's just, he seems in a funk. It's been weird to watch all training camp. Everybody expected Pettis to take that big jump up, and he really kind of hasn't. That doesn't mean he's not going to go out during the regular season and light it up. He just hasn't shown, whether in the preseason or training camp, that he could be the guy for the 49ers offense. And I'm not talking about the guy like a wide receiver one, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. That's not the wide receiver one I'm talking about. Everybody needs to understand that those guys are uniquely rare. You can't expect that out of a second-year player like Pettis. But I do expect him to be the 49ers leaving receiver. I do expect him to be the 49ers most reliable receiver. And he hasn't looked like that yet. So it's been a little weird. Am I doubting that he can become that? No, not yet. He just looks like he's in a little bit of a funk. He's had some bad luck. He's kind of struggled in practice. He, you know, if a, I, I like to say it's it's not this general, but if a defender's nearby when Pettis is trying to catch the ball, he doesn't catch it very often. Obviously, you can tell by his frame that he's not going to be a contested catch guy. 
but he's still going to make hard catches. He's in the NFL. And watching him muff a punt tonight was just kind of, I wouldn't see the icing on the cake, but it's just another thing on the list. And Pettis took snaps well into the third quarter, maybe even in the fourth quarter tonight. So the 49ers are in no way do they view Pettis as a, he's got a roster spot, but he, his his starting role, his role in the offense, his snap count is in no way guaranteed. Especially when you got guys like Debo Samuel, who their second they're almost a first round pick. I mean, number 36 is four spots removed for the first round. Debo Samuel is their guy. They would not have taken him there if he wasn't. So they're only looking for excuses to give him a bigger role. Pettis needs to keep them from doing that. He needs to show up. And I think he will. I think he'll have a good season. He just needs to start kind of building up that fire. That's one thing I want to see from Pettis is just a bit more fire, like a bit more, you know, after you make a catch, throw the ball down or something, get flagged. I don't know. No one's going to like that when it happens, but show a little bit of scrappiness, show a little bit of grit, start making plays. Um, It says something to me that he's just, he just isn't targeted that much in these games. It says something to me. So anyways, moving on. Still hoping for the best with Pettis. I love his game. I love the way he plays, but we'll see. Oh, Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins actually played almost the entire second half. Jimmy Garoppolo played the first half. Nick Mullins played almost the entire second half, and C.J. Beathard never played, which was interesting because to me I thought, well, are they going to give C.J. Beathard the bulk of the time in Week four, or, you know, do they think C.J. Beathard is safe? Why are they not playing him? Well, Shanahan said after the game that, and I, I will probably touch on this more later, that he plans on keeping three quarterbacks on the final roster, which is interesting considering how many tight battles there are on the roster at other positions. Why not just let one of the backups win the battle and keep two quarterbacks? It's it's interesting. Now, I think Shanahan's just a little torn. I think Mullins has played better. He played better last season. But C.J. Beathard is the third-round pick. And Shanahan believes there is a better chance for a big play with C.J. Beathard. And I think he's right about that. C.J. Beathard holds onto the ball too long. He takes hits he doesn't need to take. He forces throws. and But at the same time, C.J. Beathard throws a beautiful deep ball. And you can tell he's willing to throw it. He's willing to put it out there. Um, and something you don't see as much from Mullins. And when he does, you have something like today. I'm, no, Mullins has thrown some good deep passes. But today, he missed Jordan Matthews about 30 yards downfield, running over the middle with no one near him. When I say wide open, I mean no one was within like 20 yards of Jordan Matthews. You couldn't even see them on the television. He was it was him and field. You could not see a Chiefs defender. And Mullins overthrew him. Jordan Matthews never had a chance. It was about two or three yards ahead of him. A dive wouldn't have even helped it. And it was just one of those plays where you just kind of stare at the ceiling. Mullins kind of turned white. <laughs> you know, it was just rough to watch. That was a rough miss. Nothing against Nick Mullins. It's just one of those things that's rough to watch. Speaking of rough, rough to watch. Not really 49ers news, but Andrew Luck, the Andrew Luck, Colts quarterback, retired today. Already made a statement to the team. If you missed it, there's no way you could have missed it. If you're listening to this podcast, there's no way you missed that. 
But Andrew Luck is retiring. The guy has battled through injuries pretty much his entire career. He said they've taken their toll. He just doesn't have it in him to continue to play the game. And I have nothing but respect for the guy. It's his life. Football is ruining his life and the fact that he's been hurt for so long and he's constantly trying to rehab. And to top it all off, disgustingly, there was a video that I posted on my Twitter of Andrew Luck being booed out of the stadium by Colts fans. That's pathetic. That dude has put himself out there and endured some pretty harsh injuries for that franchise, and I couldn't imagine booing that guy. Even if I was a Colts fan. I mean, there's never been a question about how much that dude cares about the game. Especially when you consider how talented it is, talented he is, and how much work he'd have to put in to become that talented. So I'm not going to harp on this for too long. It's, I, I'm, I'm just sad seeing Luck go. He's got such a cool personality. He's such a good dude. Uh, it's just going to suck being without him. Hopefully, maybe something changes. Maybe he heals up and he changes his mind. Obviously, he's young enough to do that. But Andrew Luck is out of here. Uh, things just got real interesting for the Colts. So I figured it would be remiss if I didn't mention that. So the last thing I'm going to end with, or the last thing I'm going to talk about are a little bit of the roster implications going on around the 49ers roster. Because the 49ers have a lot of battles at a lot of spots, and people are, are trying to fight for that last role. Nobody's really necessarily fighting for starting time as much as they are their place on the roster. And the 49ers have a lot of interesting roster battles going on right now. And I just want to kind of quickly touch on them just to kind of recap where we're at. Because the 49ers are about a week from where they start making cuts. Maybe they do them on the same day. Maybe they don't. But maybe they're a little bit more than a week out. Maybe two weeks. But the 49ers are going to have to start cutting players. And they're going to have to trim in their 90-man roster to 53 players. That's the way it is. It always sucks. And this year, the cut is going to be harder for Shanahan and Lynch than it ever has been because their roster is in better shape than it has been since they got there. So the first thing I want to touch on is the players that did not play in tonight's game. Okay, I believe I've got that right here. Yep, cornerback Jason Verrett, who is was supposed to compete for the starting spot. Now, he's battled with injuries. This is only a sprained ankle, kind of a high ankle sprain, which takes a while to come back from. His spot on the roster is interesting. Are the 49ers going to include him on the 53-man roster, just hoping that he becomes healthy and is allowed to come in and make an impact, whether it's a backup or competing with Akella Witherspoon? That's interesting. Maybe they look at him and say, I'd rather keep one of these guys who has fought to make it onto the roster than take a risk on a guy who we know has struggled with injuries and may not be any sort of a long-term solution, especially considering he's signed to a one-year deal. So things with Verrett could get interesting. I'd like to see them keep him and run with him, but just to, you know, just to see what he can come up with. He looked good in his, in his limited action in training camp, but we'll see. K1 Williams, he should have a roster spot locked down. He's been really good. He's been really underrated. He's uh, an underrated cover guy and playing the slot corner position is really difficult and he's done a good job at it. Now where it gets interesting is free safety, Adrian Colbert. Uh, He didn't even make the trip to Kansas city because he uh, had a hamstring injury and that's a rough break for him because he really hasn't gotten to play at all this preseason. He, only got one snap, or excuse me, six snaps against the Cowboys in week one uh, until he put a huge hit on a receiver and was ejected. I didn't agree with the ejection. There wasn't anything intentional there. Um, I'm okay with the flag. I think it was a clean hit, but the receiver's helmet came down and impacted Colbert's shoulder. And, you know, 
it looked violent. That's just the way football is. And then Colbert suffered a hamstring injury in the following week against the Broncos on Monday. And so he couldn't play today. And he's a guy that's competing for a roster spot. And it's going to be, I'll be sorry to see him, him not make the cut this in this way. You know what I mean? The guy deserves every chance to fight for his roster. It's just, it's just, it would be a crappy way of going out. But when you consider the, the players, the 49ers have at strong safety and free safety, whether it's Jimmy Ward, Tarverius Moore, Jaquiski Tart, Marcel Harris, um, it just doesn't look like they might have room for Colbert, which, you know, shout out to shout out to Adrian. He's a guy that I know well because I just happened to play Call of Duty with him. Uh, we can get into that later. You know, I know him well, but that's just the way it works. And he'll know that he knows that better than anybody. That's the way it works. Um, also not participating tonight was Jarek McKinnon. We talked about him. Quarterback Tim Harris, who's interesting. He was the 49ers' final pick in this year's draft, late in the sixth round. Uh, he's had an okay training camp, back and forth. Uh, he's not a roster lock by any means. Okay, D. Ford uh, also didn't play. He's making his return to practice. He'll be fine. He's going to be good for, to good to go for week one. Um, just dealing with some knee tendonitis that he's constantly dealt with throughout training camp. So nothing major there. Julian Taylor um, isn't playing. I don't have his, his, his injury in front of me, but he's interesting because he's competing for one of those spots at the bottom of the defensive line depth chart. Um, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, Trent Taylor, all guys who didn't participate today, but all guys who I feel like are going to be there on the final 53. Trent Taylor was interesting because I came into this season not really knowing for sure if he was a lock, um, but after watching training camp, the guy lit it up, and I mean lit it up. He was the number one most targeted wideout of training camp, especially by Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, they went to him all the time in the red zone, in the end zone. He just created the space he needed. He looked quick. He looked quicker than he'd ever looked with the 49ers, even in his rookie year, where he was he was becoming a favorite for Garoppolo. So despite the foot fracture that he's recovering from right now, he's expected to be ready for week one, probably week two. Um, he is still a lock in my eyes just because he was so good in training camp and he seems to be one of Garoppolo's favorite targets. So I just don't see him going anywhere. Okay. So that leads us to kind of some other things we need to talk about the back end of the wide receiver back end, probably not the best term to use here. The bottom of the 49ers receiver depth chart is interesting because let's say you have Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, Jalen Hurd and Debo Samuel as roster locks. Marquise Goodwin isn't technically a roster lock. He's a veteran, but I think for that reason, I think they keep him around. And obviously his speed is, is something that has to be there. So you have Richie James, Jordan Matthews and Kendrick Bourne competing for what might be one roster spot. If they only keep six receivers and that's tough. Richie James had a great game tonight. He, is valuable on special teams. And that's something that Kendrick Bourne can't say. Kendrick Bourne is probably the most, the more developed and the more, obviously the more experienced given he led the 49ers receivers in 2018 in yardage. He's the more experienced. He's the more reliable when it comes to inserting him into the offense and being able to rely on him, but he doesn't offer anything special teams on special teams. And I don't, I'm not sure where Jordan Matthews stands in the special teams, but He's just more of another veteran presence. He's quite a bit bigger than everybody else, 6'3", 215, somewhere. 
Shanahan has had a lot of praise for him. He seems like somebody that could make the 53. So the 49ers have some tough choices to make at receiver. Some tough choices to make. That won't be easy. Okay, they also have some tough choices to make at the bottom of the defensive line. Okay, you have Ronald Blair, Demontre Moore, and even Kevin Givens coming along, DJ Jones, Sheldon Day, Kentavious Street, fourth-round pick from last year who redshirted his, his rookie year. These are all guys, okay, so you guys have five first-round picks. D. Ford, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, and Nick Bosa. They're all staying. The 49ers have kept nine defensive linemen in the past. That leaves four spots for DJ Jones, Julian Taylor, Contavious Street, Ronald Blair, Demontre Moore, maybe Kevin Givens. You know, it's, there's somebody's going to get cut there too. Somebody that's had an impact in the past. So that's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting because we can start, you know, you just, you got to start talking about these implications now that, you know, we're coming down to the end of the preseason where the 49ers are going to have to make this putt. Putt. I am a golfer. I don't know why I said putt, but they're going to have to make the cuts. Excuse me. Excuse my putt. So anyways, pretty good evening for the 49ers overall. And I think the best takeaway to sum this tonight up, Saturday's win up, was no major injuries. I don't even, I don't even remember any injuries. Which is, I mean, obviously amazing. The 49ers getting through a preseason game and getting through the majority of preseason without any major injuries is is a very good thing. I mean, Sean Coleman, backup swing tackle, they lost him for the season. But if they can keep healthy, that's going to be one of the major keys to this season. It's, it's, It's a major key for any NFL team. But for the 49ers who have had such bad luck with injuries over the past couple of years, if they can stay healthy, that is how they make their run. If they can't stay healthy, if guys like D. Ford and Nick Bosa aren't on the field, that's when things start to come apart at the seams because you get it. You guys don't need me to tell you. But what you do need me to tell you is that it's time to go. That's it for us tonight. I appreciate you guys for listening. Hopefully, I did okay on my first solo podcast. I know I sound like some kind of weird weird mix between Ray Romano and Kermit the Frog. So if you made it this far, I appreciate you. I do. I appreciate you. Appreciate you for sticking by. Hopefully we can get Kevin Jones on here next time. Hopefully we can get Eric Crocker on here next time. So you have to hear me a little bit less. But for now, this is all we got. We're rolling with it. Okay. If you don't already, follow me on Twitter. At Rob underscore louder. L-O-W-D-E-R. Hit me up. Ask me whatever. I'll reply. I try to. I try to reply to everything. That's not always possible, but hit me up. Say what's up. Let me know what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling about the 49ers. Ask me a question. Tell me you want it to be on the Strike and Gold podcast, and we'll do another mailbag episode. Hit me up. Let's talk about it. Okay? But for now, that's all we got, and this is Striking Gold signing off.